I were to title the message today, I would, I would title it this, The Best Looking Christian in Fellowship Baptist Church. That's what that's a title. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give it that title. If you're taking notes, write that at the top. The Best Looking Christian in Fellowship Baptist Church. By the way, I'm going to tell you who that is toward the end of the message today, so stay with me, all right? You're going to find out today who the best-looking Christian is in Fellowship Baptist Church. Now, last week, um, we looked at verse 3 in our study of the Gospel of John in chapter 17, and I, I did my best to try and answer this question, what is eternal life? Look at what Jesus said there just by way of review this morning, the Gospel of John chapter 17. Look at verse 3. Jesus said this, and this, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And here's what I hope you learned last week from our time together, that eternal life is more than just a quantity of life. Although it is that, it is a quantity of life, it is life that will last forever. But it's more than that. It's also a quality of life. It's a quality of life that is full of goodness and blessing and promise. Listen, in this present moment. And it is the result of an ever-growing, ever-increasing knowledge of God. Eternal life is not simply life that never ends, but a fullness of life that is unending. Eternal life. Now look with me in verse 11, if you would, for God's truth, I believe for us today. Beginning in verse 11, remember Jesus is praying this prayer. He may have prayed it while still in the upper room with his disciples, or they may have left and he stopped somewhere as they crossed the the brook Kedron and on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. We really don't know where Jesus prayed this prayer, which is really irrelevant. It doesn't matter. What matters is what he prayed. And he continues praying in in verse 11, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I 
and not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through thy truth. With the Lord's help, I want to preach to you today on the subject of sanctification. Sanctification, that's a, that's a, a big word. Reminds me of the elementary teacher who was trying to teach her class how to spell and so one day she said, listen, class, I want you to do this. I, I want you to stand up, tell us what your father does for a living, and then spell it. And so she started with a little girl over here, and, and she stood up and she said, my dad is a baker, B-A-K-E-R. And if he was here today, he would give everyone a cookie. The little boy behind him stood up and said, my dad is a banker. B-A-N-K-E-R. And if he was here today, he would give everybody a dollar. Next student behind him was another little boy. He stood up and he said, my dad is an electrician. And try as he may, the little fella could not spell electrician. It was just too big a word. He tried and tried and tried. He just couldn't do it. And finally, the, the teacher, without trying to embarrass him, asked him, go ahead and be seated and, and, and think about it, and I'll come back to you later. Well, the next student to stand up was another little boy. He stood up and he said, my dad is a bookie. B-O-O-K-I-E. And if he were here today, he would lay you eight to five odds that Johnny ain't never going to spell electrician. Well, I'm not going to ask you to spell sanctification today, okay? There's not going to be a test at the end. But I hope that you leave here this morning understanding exactly what Jesus was praying. Because get this this morning, he wasn't just praying for these 11 men that were still with him. He was praying for us. And I want you to understand what he was praying when he prayed that this thing of sanctification would be a part of our life as a believer. Sanctify them through thy truth, Jesus prayed, thy word is truth. So let's, let's begin this morning by trying to get a handle on, on what it means to be sanctified. Sanctification simply means to be set apart as holy. Now there's a word for you, holy. You don't, you don't hear that word mentioned near often enough from the pulpits of 2017. Pastor Kevin DeYoung writes in his book, The Whole in Our Holiness, filling the gap between gospel passion and the pursuit of godliness. He, he writes this, passionate exhortation to pursue gospel-driven holiness is barely heard 
in most of our churches. Too many sermons are basically self-help seminars on becoming a better you. And to that, I say amen. Here's another definition of sanctification. It is the act of God whereby He sets apart a person, a place, or an object for Himself in order that He might accomplish His purpose in the world by means of that person, place, or object. As you read the Old Testament, you find that there were many things that were said to be sanctified or, or set apart for the Lord. For example, it was said of children. It was said of days. It was said of buildings and, and, and the things that were in those buildings. It was said of houses. It was even said of mountains. Those things were, were uh, uh, specified by God to be set apart and were to be used for a specific holy purpose. So that's what it means to be sanctified, to set apart by God, for God, and a specific holy purpose. And Jesus prayed to the Father that we as believers would be sanctified. So let's talk about the process. Our sanctification begins when we are positioned, spiritually speaking, when we are positioned in Christ at the time of our salvation, thus the use of the term positional sanctification. Listen to these words of, of Paul from the book of 1 Corinthians. He said, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are what, church? Talk to me, what? Where? In Christ Jesus. Once we are saved, we are said all throughout the, the epistles of Paul especially, we are said to be in Christ. And by the way, we are eternally safe there. Uh, go back to verse 11 real quick. Toward the end, Jesus prayed, Holy Father... Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Did you see it there? Jesus said that he didn't lose even one of the disciples that God had given him. And by the way, he didn't lose Judas either. Judas was never one of his in the first place. Judas was an imposter. Judas is not an example of someone who was saved who then lost their salvation. Judas never belonged to God in the first place. So when God saves us, 
He saves us eternally, listen now, from or out of sin and places us in Christ. Here's, how, here's, here's Paul, how Paul said it another way in the book of Colossians. Who hath delivered us, speaking of God, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Before we came to know Christ as our Savior, we were living in spiritual darkness. The, the God of this world, Paul says, uh, had blinded our minds that we couldn't see the truth. We couldn't see the gospel. We couldn't see the, the glorious fact that Jesus came and died for us and was buried and rose again the third day and that we can be forgiven of all of our sins and go to heaven when we die. We couldn't see that. We were spiritually blind. But one day, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ pierced that darkness somehow, in some way, whether it was by a friend who witnessed to us or you came to went to church and you heard a preacher preach about it, but somehow the light of the glorious gospel of Christ pierced through that darkness and we began to see things we've never seen before spiritually speaking and then one day we come to the realization that we need to be saved and we can't save ourselves. and we call on the name of the Lord and he gloriously transforms our life and we become a born-again Christian and now we're on our way to heaven and here's how Paul describes that he says it's translated from the power of darkness and we've been we've we've been translated over here into what he calls the kingdom of God's dear son I am now in Christ spiritually positionally speaking I was over there in the kingdom of darkness but when I got saved on September 8th 1976 a wonderful thing happened to me spiritually in the eyes of God in the presence of heaven I was taken from there and I was translated spiritually over here and for all of these years I've been living in Christ positionally I have been set apart by God amen so that's where every saved person is this morning they are positionally sanctified in Christ Jesus. You have been set apart by God. But all of that, that was all of God. That was nothing that we did. That was nothing about us. But this second, if I can put it this way, this second step in the process of sanctification is, is a partnership between us and God. And we'll use this term this morning, progressive sanctification. Now stay with me. Paul wrote a second letter to the church at Corinth. We read it, we know it, as the book of 2 Corinthians in our Bibles. And in that letter he said this, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, you have to read up toward the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 to understand that in the context. But he said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting, what's that word? Holiness in the fear of of God. Now before I go on, let me say this. When I talk about progressive sanctification, I'm not saying that we are getting more and more saved. 
No, no, listen, if you're saved today, you are as saved as you will ever be. You are in Christ. You are eternally secure in Christ. You can't get any more saved than you are right now. But you can, and I can, get more holy. And here's why we need to understand at this point. When we get saved, I mentioned this a moment ago. When we got saved, we were set apart from sin That is, from living however we wanted to live, satisfying our own fleshly desires. When we came to receive Christ as our Savior, at that very moment, we were set apart from that life into a life where we are now to live the way that God wants us to live. The purpose of our sanctification was not so we could continue to live a selfish life of sin, but just do it in a different environment. So I'm over here, and it's the kingdom of darkness, and it's all about me and my worldly desires and my flesh and fulfilling every lust that I have and just just doing the way, living like a heathen over here, however I want to live. And then I get saved, and God translates me from this life over here to this life. Listen, he didn't translate me over here so I could keep living the way I was living over here, but doing over here in an environment that is much better. Come on now. That's not what sanctification is about. Let me quote Pastor DeYoung again. He said, my fear is that as we rightly celebrate and in some quarters rediscover all that Christ has saved us from, we are giving little thought and making little effort concerning all that Christ has saved us to. And what has he saved us to? He has saved us to a life of holiness. Now listen, I could talk about all kinds of things in the future, about heaven, the streets of gold, the gates of pearl, and and all of that, and that's wonderful, and I'll I'll touch on that in a moment. But don't, don't venture off there, because there's still a purpose for us here. And I was saved, I was set apart by God, for God, to live a life of holiness. This aspect of sanctification has to do with our day-to-day conduct as a child of God. So if we are progressing in our sanctification as we ought to be, that means that slowly but surely we are becoming more and more like God. Jesus. Holiness is the sum of a million little things. The avoidance of little evils and little foibles. The setting aside of little bits of worldliness and little acts of compromise. The putting to death of little inconsistencies and little indiscretions. The attention to little duties and little dealings. 
the hard work of self-denials and little self-restraints, the cultivation of little benevolences and little forbearances. I love the way he put that, that holiness is the sum of a million little things. We're talking here about spiritual baby steps, not one huge leap. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope today. No, 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 listen, this is not what God expects. God doesn't expect for us to call on his name. He saves us, forgives us of our sin, and and all of a sudden, he wants us to take this, this one huge leap over here into a life of holiness. I don't know anybody who's ever done that. Here's my testimony, and I'm guessing it's the testimony of many of you in here today. I was saved in 1976, and to this day, July 23rd, 2017, here's where your pastor is. He's still taking little steps. A little step here, a little step here. I take another little step and another little step. And for all these years, I've been taking little steps, trying to do what God wanted me to do. And I, I'm still learning what God wants me to do. Trying to think the way God wants me to think. And, and, and trying to, to be the man that God wants me to be. Trying to be the husband God wants me to be. And the father God wants me to be. And the papa God wants me to be. And the pastor God wants me to be. And, 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 and little bit by little bit. Day after day after day. So, preacher, I've been saved a long time. But I'm not where I need to be. You'll get there. Don't be discouraged. Make a little decision for God today. And make another little decision for God tomorrow. And make another little, you with me? We're not talking, you don't have to make this huge leap. It's the little things along the way that, that make the difference. Let me give you an idea of what I'm, talking about on an everyday basis. This is, this is what's happening in the life of a believer who is progressing in their sanctification. Their language is changing for the better every day. Amen, preacher. If someone is slowly but surely progressing towards sanctification then they're getting rid of, uh, of sinful vices in their life. It's someone who is less hateful and more loving and more kind today than they were yesterday. Why? Because they're taking baby steps toward holiness. It's someone who's more honest and less deceitful today than they were yesterday. It's someone whose thought life is getting more and more pure on a daily basis. It's someone who's becoming progressively less selfish and less prideful and less angry. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Listen, we'll never be sinless But by God's grace, we ought to sin less every day if we're progressing 
in our sanctification like Jesus prayed we would. And that will be the reality for every truly born again believer. So we are initially set apart by God, for God, in Christ, the moment we're saved. From there we are beginning to live in such a way that we're moving farther and farther away from, from our life like it used to be. And we're moving little bit by little bit closer every day to a life the way that God wants it to be. Now there's one more step in the process of sanctification. It's what we'll call perfect sanctification. Hey preacher, you said we'd never be sinless. Well, I should have qualified that and said in this life. Listen, when we got saved, we were saved from the penalty of sin. By that I mean that we'll never, if you're here this morning and you're saved, you will never have to spend one moment of eternity separated from God. You were saved from the penalty of sin. Now that we're saved, we ought to be striving every day with the Lord's help to overcome the power of sin, which is what I just talked about. Oh, but listen, there's coming a day when we will be saved from the very presence of sin. And that's when our sanctification will be perfect. But until then, until then, God has chosen to leave us here in this world as believers for purpose and that's what I want to address next but before I talk about that I want to I want to refresh your memory a little bit with regard to the word world we read that a lot and we'll read it again here in just a moment some of you may remember when we preached a number of months ago from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John we we talked about the word world and and I explained to you that depending on the context in which that word is used it could mean it could it could be a reference to, to one or a combination of three things it could be used for example in reference to people as in the world's population it could be used in reference to the world, the planet. I'm talking about what God spoke into existence with his very words in the book of Genesis. Or it could be used in reference to a philosophy or what we call the world's system. It's the, the way that lost people think and behave. So with that in mind, let's go back for a moment and read a couple of verses in our text. And then we're going we're gonna to talk for a few minutes today and we'll wrap it up with the purpose of sanctification. Look at verse 16. I have given them thy word, and the world, people, have hated them, 
because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Philosophy, both times there. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Don't take them out from among the people of the world. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, philosophy. Even as I am not of the world, philosophy. Verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, people, even so have I also sent them into the world, people. Jesus set himself apart for us. And now he has set us apart for him. For his purpose, which is to represent him and win others to him. That is our purpose in this life. To live a life that represents Jesus Christ and a life that reaches others with the same gospel that reached us. That's our purpose. And like I said earlier, the purpose of our sanctification is not so we can live the way we've always lived but do it in a different environment. No, no, listen, we are to live distinctly different than those who do not know Christ. When Jesus prayed, God, sanctify them. Uh, don't take them out. I don't want you to take them out of the world. The world needs them. But I want you to set them apart and protect them from the evil so that they can live distinctly different lives so that others may be reached for eternity. Like the disciples, we have God's Word. Jesus said in verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. For those who think that somehow there just are no absolute truths in this world today, what I hold in my hand is absolute truth. This isn't God's opinion. This is, this is what God wants. This is what he expects from us. This is absolute truth. And it's what sanctifies, it's, it's what helps us. And like the disciples, we have God's word. Why? So we'll know how to live our lives as believers in the midst of a world of unbelievers. And listen, you don't have to read very far in the New Testament. Just the end of the first five, uh, five chapters, uh, five, six, and seven of Matthew and we just had this study in our small groups on Sunday morning about living distinct. The Sermon on the Mount is, is Jesus' sermon to his disciples. And I believe others that were on the periphery there that day, he preached that sermon to show us how we live distinctly from those who don't know Jesus Christ. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I'm telling you this morning, if every born-again believer would live a truly sanctified life, it would make an incredible difference in this world. 
But sadly, that's not happening in a lot of cases. And it's detrimental. Listen to me. It's detrimental to the cause of Christ and to those who are trying to live a sanctified, holy life. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Call them what you want. All they're trying to do is live the way Jesus wants them to live. And because that's different than the way somebody else lives, and they want to make fun of them, knock themselves out. Because at the end of the day, they're not going to have to answer to those people. They're going to have to answer to God. When you choose, as a believer, to live like the unbelievers around you, then you are tarnishing the name of Christ. And you are harming your testimony. Please understand this. You are not only harming your testimony, but you are harming the testimony of other believers around you. Well, it's my life. I live it however I want to. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Knock yourself out. But just remember this, that there's somebody over there who is purposed in their heart not to live like they want to, but to live like God wants them to. And yet you're over here living like this. You're not just affecting your testimony and your effectiveness, but you're affecting the testimony and the effectiveness of this other person as well. Because in the, in the mind of a lost person, they're going to lump you two together. Amen. They're going to lump us all. And by the, not just that person, I'm going to get thrown in there somehow. And other people are going to get thrown in there somehow. And they're just going to lump us all together. Well, they're just all a bunch of hypocrites. No, we're not all a bunch of hypocrites. Some of us are. But not every Christian is a hypocrite, friend. No, there's some folks out there that are trying to do it right. Whether you're watching or not. They're trying to do it right. There are people that you work with and people you go to school with and people you play city league softball and basketball and volleyball with. People you attend, attend family reunions with, listen, who have worked very hard at changing their life since they got saved. And with the Lord's help, they're doing it more and more every day. As a matter of fact, their life is changing in such a way that others are noticing. And they're earning credibility as a Christian and a follower of Christ. And it's all with the hope of one day having the opportunity to share the gospel with those very same people around them. And the way you live your life is either helping or hurting the cause. Verse 
For example, if you're calling yourself a Christian, or you're partying and carrying on just like all of the other lost people at work, you're hurting the cause. If every other word that comes out of your mouth it starts with an F or some other cuss word, you're hurting the cause. Somebody help me this morning. If you gossip about others at work or at school uh, and you steal from your employer and you cheat on the time clock like everybody else around you, you're hurting the cause. And do you even realize the difficult, not to mention awkward, situation that you put other Christians in when the lost come up to them and they hear the story from last night and they, they get you by yourself and they say something like this, well, I thought she went to your church. Well, what do you say? What do you say? Well, I thought they were a Christian. Aren't you a Christian? I thought they were a Christian. Awkward. What am I supposed to say? I mean, either way, I'm sunk. If I give them a Bible answer, I've just thrown you under the bus. And if I some make some excuse for it, then I've just given credibility to the way you're living your life. Do you understand Jesus prayed for our sanctification? It's serious to him. He wants us to be different. And not only... Does an unholy Christian hurt the cause of a brother or sister who's out there giving it their all to live for Jesus? But they're also hurting the chances of the lost ever being saved. And that's a serious thing, my friend. Forget for a moment what you're doing to me. Forget for a moment what you're doing to other believers in the workplace or in your family or on your team or in the locker room or wherever. Forget what you're doing to them. Listen to me this morning. Stop for a moment and think about what you're doing to the lost people around you. Well... If they have Jesus and live that way, and I don't have Jesus and live that way, it's all good. And so their mind, they're, they're convinced, well, it's all good. No, it's not all good. When life ends and eternity begins and they end up in hell, it's not all good. How about let's stop for a moment and think beyond ourselves. And the way we want to live and what we want to do. And think about how that may impact somebody who works beside us. Or somebody who sits at the picnic table with us at a family reunion. Every one of those people are going to die and spend eternity somewhere 
either with God or without God. Brother Paul Corlew, our youth pastor, preached Wednesday night about us being watchmen. And one day, if we've never warned those people, their blood will be on our hands. But we can read through John chapter 17 and Read verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth, and just go right on. But folks, there's some serious implication there. If Jesus took time to pray for it, you better believe it's important for you and I to be sanctified. That's what he prayed for. So instead of hurting the cause, let's strive to live lives that help the cause. I'm not talking about throwing your nose up in the air and throwing the Bible at everybody and, and, and just acting holier than that. Listen, that makes God puke. God hates that nonsense. Go back and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He preached a sermon to people who live that way. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. That's not how Jesus went around living his life. And I'm not saying that you just totally isolate yourself from everybody who ever does anything wrong. That's not how Jesus lived his life. So please don't walk away from here this morning thinking that somehow that church, they're just raising a bunch, of, a bunch of holy hypocrites. No, 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 that's not my purpose this morning. And I'd be the first one to tell you, if you're looking for the perfect church, you need to move on down the road because you're not sitting in it. And if you're looking for a pastor who's never hypocritical, then you need to go somewhere else because he's not preaching to you right now. I have my own struggle. And I have my own battles with the flesh and living the way I want to live. I'd never stand here this morning and try to paint myself a portrait of sanctification. But I'm trying to get better every day. And sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. And I like it when I win and I regret it when I lose. Is that fair enough? Is that transparent enough? A dying world needs you to be with God more than it needs you to be with it. That's true for me as a pastor. It's true for you as a mother and a father, a wife, a husband, a brother, a sister, a child, a grandparent, a friend. It doesn't matter if you're a Bible study leader or a school teacher or a coach or a receptionist or a bank teller or a cashier or a mechanic or a first responder or a business owner. It doesn't matter. Your friends and family, my friends and family, our colleagues, our kids, listen, they're not looking for us to do miracles. 
They're not expecting us to transform civilization. That's not what they need. They just need us to live holy. That's what they need. Now for the great reveal. I promised you that I was going to tell you this morning. I'm going to show you this morning. Had a lot of submissions on our Facebook page. Some said, I ain't going there, it's a trick. You've been somewhere as long as I've been here, they get to know you. But I promised to tell you this morning the name of the best-looking Christian in Fellowship Baptist Church, and here it is. You ready? You see, the best-looking Christian in Fellowship Baptist Church is the one who's growing in the Spirit and the Word into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Could you put your face there? Look back on your life this week. Could you put your face there? Because you're growing in the likeness of Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit and through the power of the Word of God. It's not because one day you took some miraculous leap from the unholy to the holy. I'm not, I didn't just ask you, could you, are you perfect? Could you put your face there because you're perfect? That's not what this is about. This is what this is about. You could put your face there because to the best of your ability, you're trying every day to take baby steps, to do the little things, to respond to your wife in the right way, to honor your husband in the right way, to honor your parents in the right way, to not get angry today like you got angry yesterday and the day before. But now listen, by God's grace, it's been four days and you've not gotten angry or flew off the handle of anybody. You've not dropped the F-bomb. You've not cursed at all, as a matter of fact. And you're taking baby steps. Listen, if that's how, you're, if that's how your life is going, then you can put your picture right there. That's a beautiful thing. Say, preacher, I can't put my picture there. Well, now you're going to have an opportunity to change that. Just a baby step. We're going to have an invitation here in a moment. We were pretty old-fashioned here. We still offer a public invitation. It's a long way down there. It's just one little baby step after another. Just a little baby step. And maybe you need to come before the Lord this morning and by yourself on your own, just be honest with God. Not, I can't put my picture there. Lord, if you'll help me from this day forward, I'm going to strive with the help of your word your Holy Spirit I'm going to strive to be a better Christian better husband, a better father better wife, better mother better child better whatever your position in life is